Welcome. This is Berry Flow Upstream number 43 here with our regular cast. And we're actually here on BBM meetings testing it out. Uh, Brandon had reached out with BlackBerry from some of their uh, media relations teams, and they actually hooked us up with some test licenses so we could try out the service. So kudos to BlackBerry reaching out and hooking us up with it. Definitely much better than a Google Hangouts, at least from a fan perspective, right, guys? Uh, we have Chris, Ronell, Darius, Jube. And Alex, how's everybody doing? We're good. I've just switched the view over on my end, so now we've got a gallery view of everybody. It's no longer just stuck on me. I want to get started on our topic list. We've been out of commission for about two weeks. We took an Easter break, so I want to get started on some of our topics. Let's talk about Leap pre-order. Raise your hand if you've pre-ordered the BlackBerry Leap. <laughs> <laughs> Jubei's like, I ordered two, but not really. So, Chris, <coughs> just you? You ordered a Leap? Uh, yeah, I ordered I ordered two Leaps. Uh, one black, one white? No, one for one for me to actually have so that I can use it, and uh, another one for a contest. For, so somebody eventually, at some point in time, is going to win a Leap on Crackberry. So. That's awesome. I, on the pre-order right now, are they offering the white version, or is that just kind of like missing in action right now? No, it's missing in action. They only had the black wing or shadow gray. <laughs> That's kind of a, a upsetting. I, I love the white devices, but I hate how they always seem to lag. Even the white passport lagged on that initial load when it came out. How do you guys feel? Do you think that the, the pre-order interest is there? Like, I signed up to get a notification about the pre-order. I kind of wanted to get one, but... I haven't made the jump. I haven't made the leap. Do you guys know anyone that you know who's like interested in the leap? I've actually heard a couple of people buying Z30s. So I don't know what kind of leap interest there really is at this point. Yeah, it's, that's funny. It's because like the leap is actually like pushing people to get a Z30, I guess, because the nostalgia of a new device. And then they look into the specs and they're like, well, I actually get you know, more bang for my buck if I was to get the Z30. But okay. um I mean, the Leap is, I, I like the device. I just, I, um, I think I mentioned something the other day in the group where I was like, I kind of want to know about a red one. I would like to see what a red Leap looks like. So I think if I see a red Leap, I would jump on in a heartbeat. You know, just because of the price point. But uh, you know, I do plan on getting a Leap. I, I really do, though. John Chen, I think, he was talking in an interview, and he mentioned the red Leap. Someone's like, you know, what do you, what can, what can you do to make BlackBerry more sexy? Like, I don't know. What do you want me to do? Make the Leap in more colors? Like, that's, I don't know. <laughs> do it toward that end so it's interesting that you know people want more variation i know when the q5 came out i was like man if this came in like a dark gray or a blue or some other colors like i'd be on it even like a neon green you know that's right. that would pop out. people would really really like that so i find it kind of interesting that we want colors that we don't actually want the device you know we just want the colors no no one seems to really really want the blackberry elite at this point yeah, we got people jumping to Z30s and other hardware. Even the classic is like equally specced in terms of the, the BlackBerry Leap. So, I'm yeah. isn't the uh, the Z30 actually on sale? Haven't they uh, dropped the price on that? <coughs> so trying to get rid of inventory. No, it goes on sale. Uh, basically, on Shop BlackBerry, it goes on sale every now and then. Mm -hmm. um, but in on the BlackBerry store, we've been we've been selling the white versions for. $250 so people have been taking you know taking those up and apparently Staples in Canada has well maybe not even Canada I only know that it's Staples in Canada because I get redirected to the Staples Canada site but Staples um, has been 
having an off and on sale where they offer it for $250 as well. And they offer it in different versions. They offer the white and black one. So. You guys get all the goodies. If you're in the U.S. and you want a Z30, you're SOL. you got to go over to shop BlackBerry. Yeah, you got to make, uh, make some Canadian friends. <laughs> right. And if you're on Verizon, like Alex, you're even more out of luck in that regard. <laughs> no. Now, from what we saw of the Leap, it looks like it's going to be one of those devices that supports almost every carrier band out there. So I wonder, will Verizon actually support it? Will it be just an online thing where they offer both variants? What do you guys think? Do you think we're actually going to see carrier support of this device? I mean, we see Classic and Passport in some AT&T retail locations. Do you think the Leap will go aside that device as well? I would hope so because of the price point. You know, that was my that was my hopes for the device when it first came out. I thought it was going to be kind of that uh, kind of relaunch of BlackBerry 10, and this is going to be the entry-level device, you know, mainly due to the price point and because of the specs and how – it's, uh, you know, pretty much the Z10 hand in hand, um, just a larger screen. But, you know, I hope that it is, you know, I would like to see it across the board. I, I felt I feel like it needs to be, even though, you know, John Chinnis came on and said this is something that uh, enterprise customers have been asking for this type of form factor. I just really feel like it plays a role for consumers in the you know entry level market as far as smartphones because of the price point. Yeah, I, I don't see um, AT&T stepping in on this one and asking BlackBerry to make a uh, variant for them. I think the phone is pretty... Uh, a rounded edge leap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a device that can be pretty much sold anywhere, but we'll see what happens. I think a few Canadian carriers will pick it up, like Rogers and maybe Telus or something like that, and Kudu, and you know, put it on a, a lower price. Uh, offering, you know, zero dollars down, you sign up for a contract, you get it for free, whatever the case may be in that scenario. Um, I don't think at and probably going to pick it up. I don't see that happening. But also, I want to I just clarify something in regards to the pricing, because the majority of the articles out there, crap rates included, say that the pricing is $275, and that is what was officially announced. However, you have to take under consideration that in Canada, all of the and pretty much everywhere else, it's going to be it's going to be priced for your country. So it's going to be priced in your currency. <laughs> so it's only two hundred. When, when they say two hundred seventy-five dollars, that means it's only two hundred seventy-five dollars in the U.S. Yeah. When it comes to Canada, it's three hundred fifty dollars or something like that. So you have to, you know, with that, with that in mind, it, it's no longer, you know, and realistically we should have, should have expected that and caught on to it or and at least mentioned it throughout some of the media that we put out, but you know, most people don't necessarily think about that. Right. You know, that. That cheap device, when it gets translated into, let's say Canadian dollars, for example, isn't necessarily that cheap anymore. You start to, you know, it, it starts to make that offer of the the two hundred and fifty or two hundred and sixty dollars E thirty look even better because this brand new device actually costs like three hundred and fifty dollars. It's not two hundred and seventy five dollars, right? So <laughs> we're going crazy in the chat about the leap. We shouldn't move on. Hopefully the leap comes with a lot more fanfare than 
it has right now. The momentum has just been kind of lackluster, right? We've seen like the same videos from Donnie, like talking about different aspects of the device. And that's really been it. There was a little Q&A session talking about a little bit of the leap from the design team and that aspect, which I thought was interesting, right? But we've talked about that before. We've talked about how it's kind of this Passport Z3 kind of brought together into this kind of a form factor. So we'll it's, just, it's just not a device for the mass audience. Like, you know, it, it's something, yes, there are people out there, and I've seen them you know, on the forum say, yeah, I can't wait to buy a Leap, whatever the case may be, but they want to replace their Z10 whatever and you know those people for those people it, it seems as though that the leap is a perfectly suited device because they actually want it but you know you're not you're not going to attract any passport owners or anything like that into a leap because they already have a higher power device you know they look at the leap and it, it comes with you know there's there's no real benefit for those specific customers to actually pick up a leap unless they just want the size you know See, what I'm worried about with, with the Leap and that kind of transcends over to some of the other devices is if, like we're seeing with the Z10, Q10, all those devices, right? They've taken that same kind of software on chip and basically repurposed it on multiple, multiple devices. I wonder if they're doing the same thing with the Passport. They brought, bought a lot of the quad core and then like the next generation of these devices are all going to be the Passport based specs. I mean, how hard would it be to put those kind of specs into an all touch? And would people actually buy it at that point, considering it is still like last year's hardware? Yeah, I think it becomes a compelling offer. If they took the specs of the Passport and put it in, you know, an all-touch device, I think that would sell a little bit better than, you know, just say like the Leap. Because you know? it, it really comes down to it. It just has better specs and that's it. Yeah, but I think like what they're planning on doing is, they don't really see what the point of kind of competing at all. Like, I, I know a lot of us would buy an all-touch device that was the highest specs. I would buy it in a second. I want it so badly, but I'm just kind of assuming that they purposely didn't do that for a reason. That's why the next device, you know, a slider, for instance, it's not a normal all-touch device. Uh, it's, it's a shame, but... It is. I hope that the, the slider has better specs than the Passport, at the very least, that they kind of up the ante even more in terms of the specifications there. Yeah, me too. I hope they do. And I realistically, I fully suspect that they will, so. <laughs> we had Kevin jump in while he was driving and, and then he's like, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> That's not healthy. Yeah, we do not condone you, you be a meeting and driving. It does have a drive mode, Kevin. You can just listen and like join us. <laughs> Yeah, there's some pretty neat features with BBM meetings. Alex, you're already laggy as is, so go ahead and screen share for us so we can see what that looks like. Oh, God. <laughs> this, yeah, I don't know if you can hear me now. It's getting overwhelmed with so many you know, messages in the chat, but I, this is ignore <laughs> my layout right now. It is a total mess. Um, you know, everything's kind of working as you'd expect. Too crazy. I don't know how laggy. What game is that in the background? Guys, but, um, pretty nifty, and just a thirty is probably getting a lot of processing power to all this right now. But <laughs> it's taking a little bit of time. It's interesting the way the screen share works on meetings. 
because it looks like it's taking just like snapshots repeatedly and then feeding them. Uh, so unlike BBM video screen share that actually looks like, like a cohesive video feed, looks like they kind of are compensating for it by making these kind of shotgun shots as it goes across. It's kind of interesting. It's, it would be great for presentations that go slide by slide, but if you're actually playing a video, it may not be the best things in terms of your collaboration. Still pretty interesting that you can screen share from now, like any device, iOS, Android, computer. But something just actually happened right now when Alex began to screen share is, um, like I have a window open right now on my computer screen. Uh, there's a window within, you know, obviously my desktop screen. And as soon as he went to um, screen share his, my whole, it filled out the entire desktop screen on my computer. Did that happen for anyone else? Yeah, it goes for the window and then shows you everything that Alex is showing you, basically. So it, it adapts to the size, which is pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. Definitely cool. I like at least that it's flexible across, be it mobile and or the desktop experience. And you base on a Mac, Blaze, what, what, are you on a computer right now as well? Yeah. You're on a Mac, I'm on a Windows, Darius is on a Mac, Alex is on his mobile. Ronell, who knows what Ronell is on? I'm on Windows. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> I wasn't talking about BBM meetings, you know. <laughs> we talked about the leap, guys. Let's talk about the BlackBerry app generator getting disbanded. They closed it down. This was something from their acquisition of the Mippin uh, community. Mippin is still creating app generated applications but the actual BlackBerry specific generator has been shut down. I actually had an app built with it. It was actually pretty cool. You could plug in a feed and it would make a, a native app for you, which is pretty cool. It wasn't like an HTML5 kind of hoodwinked app. It was a fully blown native that just plumbed in some of that. From a developer's perspective, Alex, what do you feel about the app generator closing? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, really what it was primarily used for, I'm not going to lie, was just for BlackBerry to be able to say they have X amount of apps in, in BlackBerry World when they first came out with BlackBerry 10. They probably added a solid you know, 10, 20, 30,000 apps to BlackBerry World simply because everyone was doing an app generator thing. And for every app that you ported over, you know, they were giving some people like $50, $100. I think I made... As a developer, I made like $800 from porting over a bunch of app generator apps, which was just kind of like BS. People were taking advantage of it. They weren't really that great of apps. Some people were charging for them, uh, like naming them like Snapchat and various weird things. And they were really an app generator <laughs> app, pictures of, of Snapchat. Like it was really bizarre. And I, I think it makes sense they closed it. Um, I'm glad they closed it. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I wish that they had to close it sooner. It did, realistically, it did serve a purpose for those who wanted to essentially make a nice, simple app for their blog or, you know, like their Facebook feed or something like that. But like Alex said, people just essentially took advantage of it. It, 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 it basically ended up becoming nothing more than a spam system at that point in time because people were just creating silly little WordPress blogs, which you yeah. can get, you know, for free anywhere. And basically they were using them to, you know, fill up the app store with junk. So, you know, it'd be like reviews for Snapchat. And then it would lead you to this like app generator app, which realistically was nothing more than just some shady WordPress blog that some dude put together. And he'd be like charging 99 cents for it or something like that. So, I mean, it was good for those who actually had a real 
genuine purpose for it, but if you were just trying to scam somebody out of 99 cents and hoping that, you know, multiple people would do it so that you ended up with like $500 or whatever, that it was terrible for that. You know, I'm glad that they actually got rid of it. And it's a bit of a shame that it was abused in the way that it was, but you know, that's the way it is. And it's gone now. So, or will be gone anyway. I never really understood. <laughs> I really never understood the, the app generator because, I mean, you got the best in-class browser, as they always say. If I want to look at a blog, I'm going to go on my browser and take a look, right? I don't see yeah. the reason why to get an app for that when I can just go on the browser in the first place, right? It is purely an app number thing. Like, I, I don't, I know that's like a crappy thing to say, but at the end of the day, they it was so important for them to say, you know, BlackBerry has... 30,000 apps and you know that's more than any other ecosystem had you know two weeks after being live or whatever it was really a, a numbers game and you have to have that perception when you have a brand new platform out there whether they're junk apps or not so yeah I wish they better utilized it there were like top websites you know Engadget, The Verge, whoever go to those yeah. websites who have genuine content right and plug it in and have a native app like that but again, it wasn't done. They're porting their Android apps over and other things now because it's a little bit easier for the dev teams. But as we said, it's gone. Didn't make a lot of sense long-term anyway. So at least they've kind of moved on from there. I still wish we had some more native apps, but we can, we can have that discussion on another meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an ongoing discussion for BlackBerry for life anyway. It's until like, they actually sort the problem out or if they ever sorted it, it out. It kills me that like BBOS has a native Spotify. It has a native WordPress. It has a native Pandora. And like all these things <laughs> we don't have on BB10 that you almost thought would be like, obviously they're going to build a native BB10 app, obviously, but they never did, right? It almost, it, realistically, it almost makes you like, I seen I seen a post on this the other day, but it almost makes you wish that instead of like a black uh, Android runtime, they had made like a BlackBerry OS runtime or something like that, <laughs> so that you could actually like take all of those BBOS apps and bring them over to BlackBerry Ten and run them in like a compatible way. David Dalvik probably could have done it too. Yeah, know? I mean it wouldn't be pretty in any respect, but you know, you'd, at least then you'd have some of those apps that he actually really enjoyed from BBOS. But. <laughs> Native. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about Base 12 Cloud. A little spinning time clock would be like, you know, <laughs> it would be native on there. It'd be great. <laughs> the native black clock of death. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad we moved away from BBOS in the Java days. It was unsecure anyway. So moving <laughs> on from there. Base 12, Base 12 Cloud, pretty interesting offering. It's finally available. They had had this in beta runs with some of their customers for a while. I really like this part of their strategy because ultimately this is where people are going. They're going away from MDM and going toward EMM, which is enterprise mobility management from mobile device management. BES 12 server infrastructure, it's all still there. So you can still access the MDM features. And BES 12 still gives you a lot of those features. But what really comes as part of BES 12 cloud is this ability to have that in a hosted environment and not needing an actual hardware server and IT team to actually moderate it. And, and it's so important that they have this 
because right now look at Google apps for work, for instance, I know it's not exactly the exact, you know, same replacement for it, but it's, it's one of the major competitors for some of that stuff. So Google apps for work, and then there's Microsoft exchange and they have that cloud hosted. So right now I was trying to figure out like, how do I set up as 12 and I downloaded it and it wanted me to install it on a server, a local server and all this stuff, or it said, or Hey, you could f use these partners and they will host it for you and you can use it from that. And it was like, I was overwhelmed enough and I'm, I'm enough in it where I understand a lot of the stuff. I was like, no, you know, I'm sticking to Google apps for work now. So this is so needed, I think for smaller businesses, because a smaller business who wants buzz, they're not going to, you know, do their own storage on their own server. It's, it's insane to do that. So this is so needed. It brings in lower cost of ownership too, because now, you know, you don't have to deal with a lot of the other extra charges for running, maintenance, the security aspect. Right, right. I was going to say it saves, it saves the smaller businesses like a ton of money on the back end and really allows them to still want to use this software for their businesses. And it's good, you know, on, on terms of a, a mobile space, you know, for those businesses or personal within companies who are on a move who make have makeshift offices and need to still run or operate these services from point A and, you know, servers or whatever may be point B. So, it, I mean, it's just, uh, it gives flexibility to businesses, you know, and, and that's huge. And I mean, as you mentioned, it's, it's long awaited, but it's very static for BlackBerry to, for them to actually provide this now. Yeah. Yeah. Scalability too. The other side of that is, you know, personal users. You, we BlackBerry obviously would appreciate it if you were like a small or medium business using it. However, you don't necessarily have to be a small or medium business to be using it. Any individual can sign up for a Best 12 account as long as you want to go ahead and pay for it. And that's that also solves part of the problem that I often get asked a lot. Like there's a lot of people out there who want to be able to go ahead and sign up for their own Bez just for the, the sake of the security and everything else that it offers. You know, they want those services on their device just to even enhance the basic security. You know, it, that's probably one of the biggest things that we see tr happening nowadays is that consumers are essentially becoming more security conscientious and they want that additional benefit of that security that Bez offers. So, you know, as Alex said, if you were to download the Bez 12 software, you need a server to be able to go ahead and do it. You're not going to be running it off of like your cable modem at your home. You probably could, but you know, chances of it actually reliably working are slim to none at that point in time. You need server software. You need to upload it somewhere to be able to have it hosted properly and have it run accordingly. But when you come, when it comes to Bez 12, you don't need to worry about that. As long as, if you want that that benefit of Bez 12, you can actually just sign up for Bez 12 Cloud, set everything up directly from the website, it filters down to your device, and there you go. You have everything that a Bez offers without any of the reliability issues or anything like that, like hosting your own services. And it removes a lot of the complication. Like you don't have to set up anything. All you have to do is just sign in entering your email address as long as it's you know something that can actually work with this 12 then everything just gets sent to your phone you agree to it you sign up for it and that's it you're up and running like you can right. have balance on your device for you know 
less than, I, I want to say it was like less than $25 for like the, the, the least level that was available. I mean, they do run really high when you, you know, if you're a small and medium business, but an individual can sign up for a best 12, uh, best 12 cloud account for, I believe it was the starting price of like $25. So. Yeah. Overall, I think it's great. Uh, you know, there was just a lot of different, uh, I think when people think of uh, BlackBerry services, they automatically think enterprise and this move allows uh, smaller businesses uh, to jump in and uh, use BlackBerry services. And there was a lot of people uh, waiting for this cloud and we'll see, you know, next quarter, you know, how many numbers like people jumping on for the service. Uh, but it's great that they did listen and they did provide this. Um, this was something that a lot of people were looking forward to. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, how it grows. Yeah, I, used, I was one of the lucky ones who ended up getting like, you know how like months ago they opened up the Bez 10 beta for like a very limited window. And it, it only happened because somebody realized that the website had gone live but eventually they shut down the submissions. Well, I, I ended up actually getting it while it was live. And I was using Best 10 Cloud for the longest period of time. They only, they only shut my Best 10 Cloud services off when they actually launched Best 12 Cloud. So I had to go, you know, it was like the middle of March or something like that. And that was when I had to go sign up for Best 12 Cloud. Okay. It's interesting the distinctions that there are with Bez now. As I said, they've kind of proliferated everywhere. So there's Bez 12 on-site, which is your own server, your own hardware, your own infrastructure, for which you then install the Bez. You can get Bez 12 hosted, which goes to a third-party, basically, facility. IBM, shortly after the Apple news, actually, came out as one of the partners for Bez 12 hosted. And that's over in, I believe, Germany, over, over in Europe. So very interesting. So now you can have it on site. You can have to secure it on someone else's site. They're running the infrastructure. You can have it on cloud now as well. So I wonder where else they're going to take it, right? You basically got all your bases covered with that. So it's going to be interesting to see how else they can leverage it. I'd love, well, he's kind of touched on it a little bit, like a Bez personal, you know, some kind of consumer version of Bez that runs through the BlackBerry cloud, the QNX IoT platform and deliver something for me because I don't care about balance or that other stuff. Right. I can't find right. a real, real value in that. I mean, yeah, it's cool that I can jump back and forth, but as a non-business user, there's really no value for that. Would I like to have BBM meetings maybe plugged in or some of the communicator suite with protected and some of that other stuff as part of a bez with added security layers? Yeah. But at the same point, you can get BBM protected in BBM meetings without a bez. So <laughs> it'd be maybe right. cool bundled some of those features for a lower tier of user, because we we may not be enterprises, but we are still enterprising, you know, with the way we use our mobile devices. So yeah, I, think, I think that's a very, very good point as well, because like I said, even with Bez 12 Cloud, they're still focusing on enterprise and small and medium business users. There's nothing, there's nothing out there to specifically say, you know, if you're a consumer and you want this, then this is what you you can choose from. Like, like I said, you can as a consumer, an individual consumer, you can sign up for Bez Twelve Cloud, but it's not necessarily meant for you. And BlackBerry isn't marketing towards that. If they had in a consumer package, they could. I mean, all the components are already there. 
All they have to do is just decide as to what is in this consumer package and say, hey, if you want security and you want BBM meetings or whatever the case may be, this is what you buy. You know, that, that could be an additional like $20 a year or a month or whatever from, from any individual like me or like Jubei or, you know, whatever. I want to go. I, I think it's one of those. Yeah, no, I just wanted to mention. I think it's one of those founding steps in BlackBerry's, you know, IoT platform. I, I just really think it's, you know, going towards that uh, perspective. But we're only seeing it, you know, for right now for what it is. And I mean, this is a great start. But I think it's it has so much potential in the long run, definitely. <laughs> Darius, that statement alone can just like encompass BlackBerry as a whole. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, let's skip over the consumer success stories. <coughs> I think if there is something to be said about that, it's that BlackBerry is actually talking about it, right? They built up a like a basically a booklet, an ebook type thing for their cus- consumer or customer success stories, talking in depth about what the BlackBerry offering and experience is. We'll have some links in the actual posting. Definitely check it out if you're bored. You can actually check it out on, in PDF. Really nice presentation, and I just like that these stories are now like put in one place. That was the big piece that was missing. They had these stories and blog posts and all this stuff, but that gets lost. So it was cool that they kind of aggregated that all into one little bit, and that's really distributable. You can hand that out to potential customers, and they can read through. And like, you know what? This is actually what I need. It sounds great. So it was yeah. a great offering on the consumer success stories. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. I mean, BlackBerry – some say it has like a broken brand kind of a thing. So instead of BlackBerry saying, oh, we're back and, oh, we got this and it's amazing, have, have other people, people who other companies deal with on a daily basis say good stuff about it, right? So I had success with this and this and doing this and other businesses can relate and say, okay, well, I have that issue. And if that's solving it for you, if BlackBerry is actually helping you in that r- retrospect, then maybe we should take a look at doing the same thing. And, you know, that's... I think that's a smart move putting everything all in one place so that customers or potential customers can take a look and say okay definitely let's, let's read up let's get into it you know what i mean yeah, especially if the customers like in the same industry so i'm a law firm and i can read about another law firm and how they use it and if it's valuable right again it brings it down to earth something very easily distributed here i just sent you an email check it out you know check out the uh, the cio can check it out and read through some of those stories definitely very cool that they've aggregated all that together let's talk now about probably the most interesting piece of our conversation today, which is BBM, right? We always come back to BBM. We harp on BBM. We, we hate to love BBM. So they brought out a new beta release and it allows basically extended conversations. These extended chats can now enable BBM conversations with the R and the D with BBM contacts that are not yet invited to your contact list. So it's another user on BBM whose email you have on your device, be it in the contacts or through social networks, depending on how you have your contacts set up, then you're able to actually chat these contacts through BBM without you guys actually being united through the pin, through that kind of dual handshake that goes on when you actually join a BBM conversation. This is really cool when you juxtapose it against how WhatsApp works. WhatsApp gets all your contacts together via your phone number, right? It just skims your contact list and pulls all those same contacts using WhatsApp. Uh, using the telephone number. How do you guys feel about this new addition to BBM? I know Alex has some, some words on it, but we'll go around the table on this BBM beta. Alex, what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, so it's it's definitely cool in theory. Essentially what I'm noticing is BBM before, it just recommended these people to add on BBM. 
And some of the people that it recommended, I know for a fact they don't have blackberries. Um, they didn't have VBM installed or whatever. And I sent a few requests to people and nothing actually came from it. And what I noticed in this update is now all these people recommended to me, it essentially makes them friends now. And I realized again, they aren't using BBM. So when I send them a message or whatever, like they, they just don't have BBM. It's finding people who have signed up for BBM and maybe have a BlackBerry ID, but it doesn't necessarily mean they have BBM on their phone or that they had it installed or anything recently. So the problem is all of these people, it, it would be so cool to you know have the ability to just message them and not necessarily have to be contacts. But I'm noticing a lot of these people don't even have BBM installed in the first place. It's just skimming and finding these people because they have a BlackBerry ID maybe when they're on legacy or something. So if they could you know, sort through and just show the people who literally have BBM installed on their phone, then I think it would be a killer feature. Like, why not? You know, that's great. Even but, if they had something of like the status, like, you know, was last active this time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But we can gauge it ourselves, right? So maybe you know last active time bbm sent in 2009 you know like okay maybe they're not with us anymore but uh yeah it's definitely lacking in some aspects but again it's better than whatsapp right they've literally found the only way to make uh, an engaged kind of invite process without giving away personal information without giving away those email addresses right? you have to have that already with yep. whatsapp you can go into a group a group conversation with whatsapp with total strangers in the group. And those strangers now have access to your telephone number. It's not really the most secure and private thing. With this, it still puts kind of a barrier of security between you and whoever, you know, the contact you may be extending that chat with. Uh, Jubei, what are some of your thoughts on it? Have you had an extended conversation with anyone on BBM? Uh, no, but um, <laughs> I do see the whole maneuver more as a way as BlackBerry trying to really expand their user base. You know, they, they, they um, seem to kind of leveled out there with the growth of BBM. I know that they interviewed uh, John Chen after the quarterly report, and uh, he did admit that BBM now stands as the weakest leg in BlackBerry's four divisions. Now, it's not a shocker. It's not a surprise. Um, and it just, you know, they, they seem to be trying to refine that, that, that process of getting people on uh, the, uh, you know, just on the messaging platform. The good news on that side, well, there's two things to it. One, I wish they focused more on refining the, the UI and the user, you know, experience um, for BBM. There's other ways to, you know, attract people. Uh, but... Um, as they figure out how to get more people on the platform, uh, and this is kind of bleeding over to the other topic that we were going to bring up in regards to um, BBM uh, has a very high uh, uh, retention rate. So uh, in comparison to like WhatsApp and Snapchat. And, but, um, I, you know, it's good to see the progress. It's good to see that they're still working on it. Uh, I think John Chin, uh, excuse me, uh, John Sims, a few months back, did mention that he was pushing the BBM division to come out with an update every two to three months, more or less. So uh, we're seeing that progress, and hopefully they'll continue to expand. I like the idea that they're doing. Um, hopefully they can flesh it out, uh, what you just said previously, as far as like trying to identify these people on their devices, if they already have BBM just sitting there on their device, 
uh, like an iPhone or Android user, Windows user, um, and, and, and making that connection and getting people to use, use it if, they are, if it is indeed sitting, the app is sitting on their phone. I would pay to send an extended chat that installs BDM on someone's phone <laughs> just, just so it can be received, right? That'd be an incentive for me, at least, to try to get more people over. Like, I would definitely pay to extend that or even put some kind of notification, be it an email or something like, hey, download BDM. Your friend's telling you to do so through an email, you know? Just yeah, an incentive for it. This is where channels would help, but I'm not, I won't get into that. <laughs> violin by the way <laughs> so let's, talk, let's talk about the retention rate guys i want to talk about the bbm retention rate because there's some pretty top tier social so and platforms that it's basically outdoing in terms of the 90 days i wonder what happens after the 90 days though does it like totally go opposite one another right but they outdid twitter they outdid whatsapp they outdid snapchat in terms of retention on android i want to have that specified this was a, a third party uh, research firm tested this on Android for the retention rate. And after 90 days, BBM stayed pretty solid for their overall uh, hold of their users. So again, it's kind of goes back to Jubei and Alex's point, right? If they can bring the users over, they're able to keep them. There's a lot of features here that people are actually interested in. Uh, aside from now timed messages, which we can't send for fun. You know? <laughs> I'm going to run out <laughs> of my allotment soon. And it's funny because like with timed messages, I sometimes send them accidentally, you know? Where I'll that little button, forget to press cancel, and then I'll send one. And so now I sent one new E the other day, and I'm like, damn you, dude. You made me waste the message on that. <laughs> like, I only got two left now. What am I going to do? Pay for I'm it. I have to freaking subscribe. <laughs> no, I, I want to talk about Darius and Ronell about that and the retention rate, right? I use Snapchat a lot, but I go back and forth, right? I don't use it a lot. I have to sideload it. The version doesn't work. So for me, like, eh, I'm not really on Snapchat. But for Darius, and I'm going to ask Ronell the same question, do you think that the retention rate on BBM is a good thing or that there's so few users that those that are using it give a crap, basically? Do you feel like this is a growth potential for them to maintain that kind of retention rate? It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of a, a, if you look at it from, let's say from a kind of a, a positive perspective, it's kind of like a, a double entendre, right? Like retention rate and then the simple fact of people coming over to it. But it, it also kind of questions, in theory, like the millions of active users for WhatsApp and, you know, the other messaging platforms. If they have so many more, how is it that people don't stay, you know, on the messenger services? Like, I, it's what kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird to me. But then I look at it like, okay, if with the new BBM beta, if you have the opportunity to use these extended contacts, if you will, and... It's kind of how Blackberry's always done, right? With the best, their best way, well, their way of marketing is through their users, through the consumers on both just your everyday consumer or your enterprises. Like we are their advertising and their marketing essentially. Okay, so if we do, if we were to get a, a pull people over to it, the retention rate is there, but a retention rate doesn't really matter if you don't use this service. So at the end of the day, who really cares about a retention rate? If you're an active user, then cool. But if you just have it on your phone and you don't do away with it, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. So I can't really see how it helps. It's cool in terms of numbers and it's a positive sound for BlackBerry. Like, hey, we, we keep people, uh, or I should say, you know, people keep our application on their device a lot longer than the others. But 
maybe it's just because either I don't know people could grow annoyed with the other messaging services like stop hitting me up on WhatsApp or whatever and so they delete it that's the reason for deleting it <laughs> I don't get any attention. <laughs> right I don't get any attention from BBM so hell I forgot it was there so yeah I ended up staying with the application and the retention period is longer so we don't know how it definitely helps. You know, so we don't know whether that retention rate is in a good way or a bad way. If it, if they're not active users, then it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's just new. Good point. Very good point because, I mean, technically WhatsApp could consider me a user because I have the app installed. But realistically, the only reason why I have the app installed is so that I know when updates are actually being sent for the app. I don't give a damn if the app opens at all. <laughs> What about you, Ronell? Do you think it's a valuable uh, thing to speak about in terms of the retention rate? And in terms of the BBM update in general, this latest beta, do you think it's going to help? I mean, as Jubei said, we're kind of like capped out on how yeah. many we can get. Is this going to help? And will that increase the retention rate maybe? Um, it always will. Retention rate is kind of late because people get tired of bugs and they leave, right? So what you're trying to do is trying to get rid of all the bugs you can as soon as possible so that you're able to retain everybody that you have on the platform already. Right. But besides that, I mean, I really think retention rate does matter. Um, people use it. They use it. They like it. A lot of people from before who used a BBM, once it went cross platform, they grabbed it. They got tons of people who they knew had BBM before everybody snapped up. And those people who actually see the value in BBM, they, they kept with it. So that retention rate, it means something. But as of right now, in this point in time, where people have tried out BBM and they've either kept it or they haven't, not anymore. So it shows that there is a real hardcore base who uses it and uses it for proper purposes. And then you have other people who have not had it. And we're we're going to talk about the Brazilian scandal and people using BBM for improper purposes. <laughs> but, but Alex, close it out here for us on the topic of the BBM beta and the retention. So, I mean, really, what the way that I see it is people who have Snapchat on their phone, I have a lot of friends that use it, and it's really, uh, the difference is, you know, it's really interesting. Some people are obsessed with Snapchat, and they use it multiple times a day. They will use it, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times a day because they'll have full conversations through and all of that, whereas there are then people like me who I have Snapchat on my phone, but I only open the app maybe once a week or once every, like, four days. So yes, my retention for Snapchat is, it's there. It's the same as exact thing as BBM because it's still sitting on my phone. I'm just not going well, to One it. thing I wanted to, uh, to, to interject for a second there, Alex, I wanted to put in a number. Uh, according to Forbes, uh, in, as far as January 6th of this year, like, it estimates that uh, the medium age of um, Snapchat users is about 17 to 18 year olds. Mm -hmm. And Alex's peers, seventy percent of that, seventy percent of those users are female. So okay. um, I think that that tells another story as far as comparison yeah. of who uses BBM and then who uses Snapchat. We all know Snapchat's only used for porn, anyway. So come on. See that's <laughs> funny that it's gotten that kind of spiel to it. Like, yes, that is definitely a big market to it. But so many of my friends, they will just send messages to their friends because they like seeing a face attached to it. Almost like if BlackBerry did time messages in the proper way, then there'd be no reason to use Snapchat as opposed to that. Because it's, it's like one of the things that, 
like my friends, they like using it for. I don't understand it because I like being efficient. Having to send, you know, 30 characters on a screen with a picture of you, it, there's no way to have a conversation with that. And like, I could kind of see the fun part of it, but I'm just not really into it. But then like with BBM, that's something that I use, like my business partner is also on BlackBerry and I talk business with him through BBM. So I'm using it for personal use and business use and it gets so much more use than And this snapping. is not even including a blend. The fact that I could just be at my desk at my computer and just have blend and just talk. You can't have that with Snapchat or any other messenger. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Snapchat is not a major communication tool. It's to have fun. That's what I use it for. When there's something yeah. funny and there's something going on and I want everybody to see it, I take out Snapchat. It's not for a BBM. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same way right now. Like with me, I appreciate Snapchat profoundly. And the only <laughs> reason I appreciate it is not, not because nude, those are nice, but <laughs> the only reason is because the same people I'm friends with could post all those photos on Instagram or Facebook and just like flood my feed. At least it's a time message. It disappears after a while and it's kind of contained, right? It's not flooding my feed with this archive and chronology of the food they ate, when they went out, when they walked their dog, when they sang a song to themselves. I don't need all that. Probably one of the only private social networks in existence at the moment. In private in a certain way. The fact that everything you're posting is only going to a certain person rather than being shared with everyone like you're talking about instagram sure you can make it a private instagram page and all that stuff but it's still hosted on that cloud and is it a private it? social network when 100,000 pictures are leaked <laughs> that's i'm saying right now compared to what's out there right now even if all of the pictures are leaked or whatever it's still more of a private social network than anything else you're comparing you know you have to compare it to the other things in the same area. But anyway, like, you know, it has its use case. And I'm just trying to bring up that retention rate might actually be just as important as, you know, how much you're using it, because I'm thinking BBM numbers might be actually higher in some regard for people, you know, active use compared to retention rate, because like I have Snapchat on my phone and I'm not using it that much. Yeah. I have BBM on my smartphone. I'm using it 50 times a day. So I'm thinking that some people might be using BBM more than these other platforms. So it's still, you can't throw this number out the window and be like, oh, it's not useful at all. It has some use, but I don't know. All right, I need to go. My family is downstairs. I am going to go eat some dinner and my battery is probably on my phone right now about 30%. So I think I drained it about 60% from this meeting, but definitely cool. BBM meetings is pretty sweet. Um, and I will see you guys later. You look good in the daylight, Alex. Keep it up. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take you All right, later, guys. Take it easy. Bye, yeah, later. <laughs> it's nice not to have Brian like creeping over there in the back corner over his shoulder. <laughs> if you if you're if you're not familiar, Alex is almost always in his room in the dark with this plush of Brian from Family Guy in the background. So <laughs> next time you watch. It'll likely be there. So <laughs> we talked about retention rates. Let's talk about the Red Dot Design Award. Almost like textbook, BlackBerry wins these things for their designs, right? Yeah. Red, Red Dot is rather prestigious. They actually post the actual devices in museums behind glass. Like it's actually pretty cool the way they showcase these different uh, best of the bests. Speaking but, of which, I wonder which one they, which passport rendition they decided to be on the glass this year the at&t one the best duh <laughs> <laughs> it's 
probably the black one. I mean, the original or the white. They put the white in the photo that they put out for their press kit. But um, hopefully, Blackberry sent them one of the uh, limited edition, the gold. gold. Yeah, that would be right. dope. They probably went to Dubai, got one gold plated themselves, and then <laughs> they couldn't get one of the fifty that came that went out originally. <laughs> they couldn't get their hands on one. But uh, no, it's cool that they get these design awards, right? Because yes, it doesn't translate into sales, right? Marketing translates into sales always. But the fact that you can go to the design community and the design community can come to you as well and say, this is a great product. This is an innovative product. It has design intent. You guys thought about this. You did something new, innovative, and awesome, right? The fact that their devices consistently are coming in with these kinds of awards is rather positive to see. Whether it gets the kind of acclaim it necessarily deserves is a whole other conversation. But I think the fact that they are continually getting these types of praises is very positive for the brand. And I know, you know, media relations is out there pushing these kinds of, you know, releases because that's the kind of stuff they need behind them, right? That we have this kind of acclaim. We are award winning. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of consumers love engaging in those uh, long debates on which device is the best. And you know, a BlackBerry uh, enthusiast can just walk into that conversation and say, well, we won the Red Dot Design Award and walk out, drop the mic, walk away in slow motion. <laughs> so um, it, it's, it's, um, it's great. Like you said, though, what, this is the fourth year in a row they've won? Third? Fourth? It's been, since, like, BB-10 came out, I feel like they win every Right, every year. device has, has, has won. Do you think it has value? I think it has a certain level of value. I mean, it definitely helps when it comes to, you know, people who actually appreciate design and it helps in it. It's sort of like a marketing thing as well, because they have the right to be able to go ahead and add that out there. Um, you know, they can put it on a website. They can, you know, say whatever, give it different press releases if they need to, whatever the case may be. But I mean, for the majority of people, like you said, it doesn't necessarily translate into sales, but it it's probably one of those things that actually gets considered by a small amount of people. They're like, oh, well, maybe I should give it a look because it won this award or that award or whatever. I mean, like you said, it doesn't translate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it translates into huge sales or anything like that, but it does give them a little bit of, uh, you know, an extra kudos on their list. Right, it helps yeah. build that cloud a bit. What about you, Ronell? How do you feel about the Red Dot Design Award and BlackBerry's continued uh, engagement with this award? Yeah, no, I was gonna say just, it just shows that there's a lot of things which BlackBerry does, they put in their phones and they do for their phones that goes unnoticed towards the public or the general media, right? So, I mean, it's more of a kudos to, uh, it looks a little bit, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, got distracted. Um, it's more of a kudos to the people who are actually working behind the scenes trying to get those products to consumers and, you know, a tap on the back to say, at least we see that, you know, you're working hard and the design, it actually makes sense and it looks great. It's good for those guys in-house who are working on the designs. And Yeah, I mean, it's, that's not the only thing they should be rewarded for, but oh well. What about their awesome multitasking OS, right? There's, there's tons that goes into it. Right? Exactly. Right. exactly. What about you, Darius? I'm interested in your thoughts on the Red Dot Design Award. You think, you think of all the BlackBerry devices put out last year, last fiscal year, you think the Passport should have been the one to win or something different? 
No, I mean, the, the passport is definitely deserving. I've always said that the passport is the best piece of innovation we've seen physically in terms of mobile devices in years. Um, it, it matters internally. It, it, as, as Chris has mentioned, it, it holds value from that perspective. But I think it, it doesn't hold value externally because the media won't allow it to. If I mean, if the only recognition it's getting from the media is from the Crackberries and the Berry Flows and the N4BBs and whomever, then that essentially is where it's going to stop. Uh, you have the other big tech sites like, you know, Engadget or BGR or whomever, The Verge, if they don't recognize it because they are seeing traffic from so many different platforms opposed to one specific lane, uh, then, yeah, it's not going to really matter as much. I mean, we take heed to it and we recognize it and we definitely feel like they deserve it. Um, I think those uh, writers from those other tech sites see it and they say, hey, that's you know pretty cool. And I also think they actually recognize the type of building devices that BlackBerry make, but it, it doesn't hold a lot of value. I mean, it's great and it's not to take away the prestige from Red Dot. It's just for the masses it's not going to really hold a great uh, deal of value, so to speak. I agree with you there, man. Hopefully it continues, right? Better something than nothing in terms of that recognition. And, and at least as Ronell kind of mentioned, it's really to the designers, right? Giving them the kudos for all the hard work they put in on the back end to really build these high caliber devices. It's definitely awesome that Passport is a Red Dot Award winner. Now, Let's talk about Chris's favorite subject ever, BBM channels. BBM in general, really. <laughs> Let's talk about multi-admin. I feel like four, three or four upstreams ago, we mentioned in the change log for a BBM update, <laughs> multi-admin, and we all said, I can't find it, I can't find it. And lo and behold, it shows up one day. Thank you for those users who actually use the desktop portal to let us know that. Because <laughs> we'd have been going like, huh, still waiting on it, right? Um, interesting, you can add multi-admins in the back end and it will show up on their desktop. Unfortunately, it doesn't allow them access to the BBM channel on mobile, which kind of defeats the purpose of a mobile private social network like channels. But it is there on the back end. You can't access that portal through the, the browser. So it, it has some functionality, right? It can be done on mobile. It's a little tedious to do so. But what do you guys think of the multi-admin support? I mean, it's been a long time coming. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Now go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I mean, from my perspective, I could basically give the, the Crackberry channel or anything else to anybody else who wanted to be able to go ahead and post to it. You know, any one of the, the writers or anything like that, because honestly, I am the only one who is running the Crackberry channel. And let's say, for example, you know, if I'm not home and somebody else puts up a post, then that post isn't going to get automatically sent to channels or anything like that, which is a whole other issue because I really wish that there was a way to like say import an RSS feed into BBM channels. But again, in that instance where like maybe I'm not around to necessarily go ahead and post something to the channel, it, it allows somebody else to get that access to be able to go ahead and, and make up for that time when I'm not necessarily there or whatever. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a good thing for for a content creative perspective, but I don't think you know it doesn't really mean much to anybody who isn't actively using channels. 
I mean, if you're just reading through channels, it's not going to mean much. If you're, you know, if you're just an individual who likes to run your channel from your own device, it's not going to mean a whole heck of a lot because, you know, you already have that access. You don't have multiple people adding things to it. Um, but again, that, that content creation perspective is different. And I think even though BlackBerry has never actually said who it's, you know, supposed to be for, I think that's, that's pretty much the basis of it. They want people creating extra content on there and that at least removes one barrier of entry for it. So. Wholeheartedly agree with you there, Chris. Got to remove those barriers or else people aren't going to jump on. So yeah. totally agree. Darius, what about you? BBM channel multi-admin. I wish it was available. Like when it first started, I just, it's, it's only through the web portal, correct? Yep. Or, Right, so that kind of sucks. I mean, it's, I guess they'll, you know, elaborate on it more and <laughs> kind of roll, I mean, down the road. But, uh, you know, if it's, if it was accessed, you know, through the actual phone, then that would make it like 10 times better because you can easily just shoot, you know, uh, information to people and then they can just update it through channels. But, I mean, there has to be more emphasis on channels to put value on that ability as well for it. So if there isn't an emphasis on channels for it to be a, channel itself or a outlet of information um across the board then you know it's like hey you know the the option is there the ability is there in order to do it but um like way back when when i had a channel and i used to just you know update uh post music like every day throughout the day and like you know my friends would send me like hey this song just dropped and i'm like cool and i just post it on my channel real quick and I wish I was just thinking, I was like, man, I wish I had the ability to let you guys just post to the channel because I would be like busy at work or something like that. And, you know, just to continue to update, you know, the information that you're providing through your channel. If you had that additional help and it was that convenient to be immediately there within the phone instead of having to get on a desktop of some sort and then push the information, then, yeah, I'm all for it. But I mean, it's here. I'm not going to sound like this ungrateful being. <laughs> but I'm glad I'm glad it's around though. I agree with uh, Darius that this should have been launched when it launched. Right. That, that feature should have always been there. Um I'm it's surprised a, a about every BBM feature ever. Just like <laughs> we needed that day one. We needed that back when it just launched cross <laughs> Well, it's definitely one of those things that you kind of question, you know, how did they not really see that one coming? Where they're right. like, all right, we're designing this for brands, for companies to engage with their customers. And then they don't have the ability to have multiple administrators. You know, it's just like one of those, you know. <laughs> Here's the interesting thing too, right? If your company had a Hootsuite and it was a, a shared login, then you could have multi-admins on BBM channels. And a lot of brands do use Hootsuite or another kind of like CMS to bring all that content forward. So it's not like it was so inaccessible, right? It's just that like now they're bringing it to their own offering of the desktop, right? So it, it kind of brings you to a point where um, with Darius and, and with Yujube, it should have been there a while ago, you know? It really, really should have. And that mention of Hootsuite makes me wonder if they actually changed the Hootsuite integration as well. Because, you know, yeah, I doubt it as well, but it makes me wonder. 
Because you know how you used to be able to, well, you still can, uh, log in through Hootsuite and then access it, but it ran into the same limitation. Like you had, you could only have like one Hootsuite user that would be able to access it. Right. It would be good. It would be good if they actually added more, you know, administrators. If if the administrators that you added on through the the BBM channel portal would carry over to Hootsuite as well, and then that way, because where you have multiple Hootsuite administrators, you could have multiple Hootsuite BBM channel administrators. Right. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Of, having to share like one login across multiple Hootsuite users. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Which is how basically we've had to do it if in terms of trying to share. Right. Yeah, because I, it was always my BBM ID and hope you don't abuse it and take my BBMs onto your phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> well. Let's close it out here, guys. We have one final thing to talk about. And I, I know we're running a little bit longer than we wanted, but we are trying to cover up for two weeks worth of time here. Let's talk about the BBM. It's not even a BBM scandal. It's more like a Brazilian politic and or a government kind of corruption, so to speak. And it just so happened to take place on BBM. <laughs> right. And, and the, the conversation isn't so much about whether their activities were illicit or not, right? The, the real conversation is, the Brazilian government went to BlackBerry, probably with a warrant, and said, we need lawful access to these guys' messages, right? And the, the, and the story is BlackBerry yielded. And this has been a cascading conversation in terms of lawful access. Happened in India, happened in Saudi Arabia. BlackBerry literally built a data center in India and then gave it to the Indian government. They're like, all right, you can monitor to them now, right? So this has been a kind of... a something that's gone on for quite some time, years and years, ever since BBM came out. And, and I still need to put up a post about BBM being 15 years or is it 10 years old now, 2005 right. to 2015. Like think about how long that's been in use. Like that's pretty crazy. I wonder, and I would love some information on whether like how many requests for lawful access they get and how many they actually yield to, right? Because I wonder like how many governments and or big corporations are using BBM and maybe using it in ways that are potentially illicit, right? Be it terrorist threats and or, you know, just, you know, money laundering or whatever the case may be. Do you feel secure in the sense that BBM can lawfully access a backdoor to your BBM messages? I want to kind of get the thought from around the room. We'll start with Jubei, go to Darius, and we'll end with Chris. How do you feel about BBM lawful access? How does how do you sell yourself as a secure messenger when you have back doors and those back doors are opened on occasion? You know, it's it's very uh, very interesting. Um, I know on one end in the back of my head, I'm thinking, did BlackBerry make a a, a, a business decision over a security one? Because let's say they decide, like in the case with India and the case with Brazil, they decide, no, we're not going to give you this. Uh, access do these governments now um make it unlawful to use bbm do they in their country now prohibit the use of bbm and and and, and like kind of excommunicate blackberry and their products and services from their country that that could you know wait it you know wait into blackberry's decision and saying you know what india excuse me india uh, brazil i know south america is a big market uh, India is a, is a huge market for BlackBerry. They want to keep that relationship healthy somewhat. Right. And they analyzed the situation. They said, okay, 
we are helping in something really specific, something that took place back in uh, 2013 or so, 2014, um, fairly recent. And um, it, you know, the, the art, I read the article, it doesn't show too much on what Blackberry, um, what role they played in determining, you know, who, who was behind making that, those decisions. But uh, there is the other side where it's like, okay, for myself, I always, you know, most people are under the impression that BlackBerry Messenger was always secure. So now it uh, means that people are going to have to sign up for uh, BBM Pro so they can get the time messages and retract messages of feature. And I asked, I asked the contact whether BBM protected was void of this back door and it absolutely isn't. So really, really, I think you're right, Jupe, a business decision had to be made. In India, they created that data center mainly because they were threatening a sales ban of Blackberries, period. And an interesting fact toy that comes along with that is the rise and fall of BIS. BIS was a total secure channel a lot like BBM, internet web pages ran through it. Uh, some of your social networks, Facebook, Twitter, your BBMs, etc. So it was a it was a data channel, right? A secure data channel that they were trying to get lawful access to get other things as well. It wasn't just your BBM messages. So we look at the rise and fall of BIS, the BlackBerry Internet Service, and it comes down to a business decision, right? If we're not going to have the support that we need from our partners because they can't access the data when they need it, we need to change things up. So very likely the lawful access put in in this instance for Brazil was one that they did out of a business need. So I, I definitely agree with you there, Jube. Darius, what are some of your thoughts? Do you feel less protected? Do you feel like if you've got some illicit activities, you're sending some photos on your BBM that they're now unsecure because BlackBerry has backdoor access? No, not necessarily. I think, I mean, Jube hit it right on the, on the nail. It's, just, it's one of those instances where I feel like me personally, I feel like they would only access the information if in the case of, you know, um, governments get involved or, you know, law enforcement of any sort, I would just say get involved. You know, it doesn't. You know what, Darius, no, and, and you just mentioned something. I just want to spit it out and let you continue. Um, I, and I agree exactly what you said. I think it's a, it's a very specific, unique situation in, in, in contrast to the idea that they're always monitoring. Or they're always, you know, negotiating with governments and giving this out. It's not that. It's just it was a very specific request. Right. And and that's exactly where I was headed to, you know. And that happens with a lot of other things. And it kind of falls into that vague line where, oh, all of a sudden my information is just out there for the open. Not necessarily. You have to understand, like, you can't close everything off because it's almost like that's my way of getting away with murder. And that in, in some instances is almost like a – it's kind of unjust, if you will, if you kept me completely secure, because what if something led to some motive of some sort that uh, involves somebody's, you know, a homicide and then that happens? Unfortunately, <laughs> you can't get access to the communication that happened prior to that because it's, you know, there's no back door on the other end. So it, it happens in those instances, but I, it doesn't make me feel any secure. If anything, it makes me feel, I mean, uh, less secure. If anything, it makes me feel more secure that they have to go to that measure in order to get the information, not just anytime they please, if you will. Right. 
Like I could, I could spoof an Apple server and probably read some iMessages. <laughs> right. even, even with the end-to-end encryption that they added, right? So, Ronell, what are some of your thoughts? Do you think this, I guess, breaks down the secure? I mean, it's just Darius. Darius hit it pretty well on the head after Jubei had kind of nailed it in already. But mm. like, oh, let's say Obama uses BBM, and I'm not saying he does, but if he were, right? They're not just going to yield and be like, yeah, you want to read Obama's messages? Sure, here they are, right? They're not going to do that. They're going to weigh it against the opportunity and business that they have. So mm-hmm. because they have a lot of high-profile customers, do you think these kinds of scandals, these kinds of breakouts diminish the BBM brand or empower it? Uh, it does either. Um, and I'll make it pretty clear. I just want to make this point across. Hopefully everybody understands this. Because the government has a backdoor does not mean it's less secure. The government has a lot of backdoors and stuff that we probably don't even know about. It's the government's job to decipher what's bad and from what's good. I don't do anything wrong, so I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to be like, oh man, I don't, hopefully I don't get exposed. There's nothing for me to be exposed about, right? So if you're not doing anything wrong, you don't have nothing to be worried about. Make that pretty clear to the world, right? You understand what I mean? So there's no security breach. If you're doing something wrong, and you're trying to cover it up, and the government wants to get at you, that's your own problem. Otherwise, <laughs> everybody else beside the government is not accessing my personal information. I'm cool with it. That's how I take it. <laughs> to, you know to, I mean? you corrupt BBM, up next. to corrupt Brazilian politicians everywhere, pay for a timed message subscription. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Boys, close it out here for us on the whole topic, be it BBM beta, retention, or the Brazilian scandal. How do you feel about BBM right now? I think Jubei and Darius covered it pretty awesomely. I mean, you know, basically BlackBerry isn't out there reading everybody's BBM messages or anything like that. There's actually precedent cases for, uh, you know, them being, this is going to sound terrible, especially when you consider the case, but there's precedent cases out there for them um, not actually delivering the information. I know specifically one case here in Halifax one of the problems that they actually had was that BlackBerry, they didn't, they, they needed information for a case that they couldn't actually um, get from BlackBerry in a timely manner. They needed it within a specific time frame, and BlackBerry couldn't deliver it in a specific time frame because they didn't necessarily have the resources to be able to go ahead and do that. It falls back on that thing. You know, they didn't, they didn't have the, the, the the proper documentation to be able to go ahead and file it and say, yes, you are authorized to be able to go ahead and view these messages. Um, You know, it's one of those things. If you, if you have the, have the lawful access, then chances are you're probably doing something wrong to be able to go ahead and get there anyways. But I, I, I've never treated BBM in such a way that I felt as though that it was secure anyhow. Because if anything, especially now after all the all the revelations that Edward Snowden put out there, come on, how can you how can you think that anything is secure at this point anymore? Realistically, I mean, if anything, those those cases and those scenarios have proven nothing is secure. Even the stuff that you thought was secure probably isn't. Somebody is out there. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I do have a a comfort level of satisfaction in the fact that BlackBerry isn't out there, you know, reading my own messages. You know, I, I don't feel as though that some, some dude in Waterloo is like looking at nudies, 
being sent from people or anything like that. I feel as though Man, that, I, want that <laughs> I feel as though that that information that is being relayed across BBM messages is going to be hard to get. You can't you can't just walk in and be like, yeah, we need this information. You've got to go through the proper channels. You got to have the proper documentation and all that. So, you know, it, like Ronald said, if you're not doing nothing wrong, then you probably don't have to worry about it. I mean, and if you are doing something wrong, you're going to have to sign up for protect us. You got, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and again, like I said, it goes back to the, that theory, that whole base is like nothing is secure anymore. If you think that anything is secure, then chances are you probably really shouldn't think. Yeah. That if there's anything in the last two years we've learned with like all these major corporations getting hacked and all the apps getting hacked is that nothing's really secure. Yeah. Let's try telling that to black phone. <laughs> they got hacked on stage. <laughs> yeah. Wirelessly in five minutes. <laughs> I think I think what it comes down to is that there are there are services and offerings and features and all of that stuff that companies can provide you that make it harder for criminals and you know the the governments to be able to go ahead and access this information yeah being a, a, a very successful deterrent like you if you make it impossible you're not gonna people are not gonna bother right yeah. once you once you go to that level you're a spy agency you know like yeah at that point when you're hiding all your communication so as you said it keeps the business open without closing the door on your customers right you yeah gotta, and, you gotta temper that absolutely and like i said it, it those those services, offerings, features, whatever you want to call them, you know, they they enable us to have at least a little bit more comfort in the ability that your messages are safe. They're not necessarily nobody out there is going to say we're going to one hundred percent protect your privacy and your security and everything like that. Nobody is going to say that because again, it would be just plain stupid to say that at this point in time. Um, but again they have the ability to make it harder for those organizations to be able to get your information. And that's basically what BlackBerry excels at. So we'll close it out here shortly. I actually heard a very, very interesting theory in regard to BBM's security as it would be. And it talked about some of the outages that BlackBerry faced um, back in, I believe it was like 2010, 2012. And there was really a lot going on, right? So there was a huge outage and they claimed BlackBerry, BlackBerry claimed it was a, due to a faulty Cisco router in the UK, right? At the UK data center. And if you look at some of the NSA source documents from the hack, they mentioned having the ability to infect Cisco routers. So if you kind of place the timeline and look at it, that major outage back in 2010 was very likely the NSA trying to breach a bunch of different, not just BBM. I'm not saying it was a targeted attack. I'm saying probably a more widespread one. It was very interesting that a few months later, that picture kind of starts to paint itself. So you imagine <laughs> maybe they had to take the Enter in the off. X-Files themes. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, know, you imagine you have to take the service off if you want to protect the integrity of the service because your customers are not just consumers like us. They're corporations. They're governments. So very interesting, I guess, the, the whole security aspect of, of what BlackBerry is doing and what they're obviously pushing forward as well. You look at SecuSmart, you look at QNX, and this whole strategy for which they go forward 
it is one that will have to be tempered, right? Imagine uh, a vehicle or a plane used in a terrorist plot that is QNX and or BlackBerry connected, right? They may need to get lawful access to your car's information or any of your <laughs> machine's communication going forward. So at least we have a company that one, we can trust, and two, has the, the caliber and the experience to be able to temper when is right and when isn't, right? So very cool, at least on BlackBerry side, that they kind of have that power, so to speak, with the security aspect. Hmm. I think we nailed it, guys. Think, really appreciate having everybody on. I know this has been such a long stream. The viewers are going to be yeah, like, Yeah, I was actually uh, clean shaven when we first began. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I was bald, actually. The frozen <laughs> entirely on cast here. But this has been just a very brief run through of BBM meetings. It has screen share. You can manage multiple, multiple participants, up to 25 people in these meetings, right? And there was some times there it was a little bit laggy on Alex's side, maybe, maybe because he was on a mobile device. I don't know if he was on Wi-Fi and or an actual carrier connection, but it's been pretty good so far. I'm, I'm pretty pleased with the experience. I like the, it. The verdict is out as to whether we're going to use this predominantly and or go back to, to Google Hangouts. The one facet that we like about Hangouts is that it gives us the ability to live stream. So you guys can be here live with us. When you guys watch this, this will ultimately be a recording that we've edited and then posted up. So we'd like your feedback on it. Let us know if you like this more, liked it less. Uh, definitely give us that feedback when you do watch it. I really like the desktop app. Just yeah. from, you know, obviously we got, we got mostly everybody here is at this point on the desktop using it. Alex was the only one that was offering perspective from, you know, and the Kevin mobile. Briefly. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin, <laughs> Kevin driving. driving down his car. <laughs> But yeah, the desktop application is pretty awesome too. I mean, you can you can control the uh, the recording capabilities. You can control the chat. Uh, one thing that me and James basically decided was that the chat isn't necessarily probably the best because it pops up in a secondary window. Yeah. Um, but you know, everything else uh, is pretty on on par. Like you can see all the participants. You can invite more participants. Control your, you know, your name changes, your picture changes, uh, screen sharing, all your video, audio, and recordings, and everything. I like it. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty dope on the desktop for sure. It is lots of. It's lightweight. It's lightweight. It is. It's like a seven megabyte file to download. Very very lightweight. Took me five minutes. Super awesome. In the app, when you see it here on uh, on desktop, it's actually interesting because it's very mobile-esque, right? It has yeah. mobile-type settings here. You can jump in, your video settings, general feedback. I kind of like the separate window for the, app, uh, for the chat because I can move, keep the video over here on my screen. James knows he's been to my place. I have two screens. Yeah. I can move the screen uh, one window here and just type away and just have the video here, whatever. Smart. It also allows you to get that mirror effect for dual screens as well. I've seen that within the settings. I thought that was pretty dope. Um, pretty yeah. Cool. yeah, it's pretty pretty expensive on the desktop. Yeah. I mean, obviously, BlackBerry would probably prefer us to be talking about it on mobile, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's pretty awesome on the desktop as well. Yeah. It's definitely a nice service, and, again, we, we really appreciate BlackBerry reaching out and offering it to us so that we could use it and showcase it. We're, we're going to have a berry flow uh, upstream behind the scenes coming shortly and we're going to splice in some other sides of what a BBM meeting looks like for you guys so you can see how that experience plays out as well but as I said really appreciate having all of you on Jubei, Darius, Ronell, and of course yes sir on Crackberry 
Have a fantastic rest of your week, guys. We will see you next week. All right. Peace.